Well, thank you again, everyone, for joining us for Patient No Longer. Uh, we've got an old friend with us today. We are very excited to be talking with Tom Arndt, formerly of Bell & Health, newly retired. Thank you, Tom, for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and fun to look at things from a little different perspective. <laughs> well, Tom, if we if we lose him on the video, if he drifts off, his eyes drift away from us, it's because he's next to a lake. He lives on a lake house. He's in that beautiful retirement phase, newly retired. But Tom, as of last year, uh, had left his role at Bell & Health as Chief Market Development Officer. Now, he wasn't always Chief Market Development Officer. At one point in time, Tom was the Chief Executive Officer of two different hospitals, including Bell & Health in its earlier iteration. So it's going to be really exciting. We've got maybe the only person we know who went from CEO to his own company, which he could talk about too, to then in the marketing role. And I think you give inspiration to marketers everywhere just from your career trajectory, Tom. <laughs> yeah, either, either that or I'm gonna, gonna prescribe me some new medication, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, either way, you've got an incredible story and so we're excited to dig in. Now, when you were with Bell & Health and you're still very nearby, it's in your heart forever. You know, Bell & Health is a 113 year old organization not just serving Green Bay, but the whole northeastern Wisconsin region and across the way in Michigan, the Upper Peninsula. And if you've ever been there, it is pristine. They have an incredible process, and it's something you can really learn from. We've, we've had the benefit of being there in person. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful place. So we're excited to talk about Tom's journey um, through this world of healthcare in a couple of different roles and in a really interesting sequence of those roles. I want to start, though, Tom, not by talking about healthcare, but by talking about now. So you've been retired for almost a year. What has it been like from you know, your proverbial rocking chair? What has it been like watching what healthcare has been going through right now? Oh, that's, it, it, it's a fascinating time. And I, 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 was, I was in the COVID, uh, the first part of the COVID problem. And just when I was left my position at Bell and, we were in that, that phase of telling everybody it's okay to come back after we told them that it wasn't okay to come. And it, it was a, a very a very interesting challenge to communicate with people and, and convince them that it was it, it, it was it was safe now when before we were saying, you know, you, you couldn't even be with a loved one dying at some point, which was a, you know, a very interesting juxtaposition. I, I continue to watch the, the industry a, a little bit. I have obviously tuned in more to the, the local scene rather than the national scene, although you know, consider the, the transformation that's happened politically uh, and, and what's going on in, in our country. At the same time, it is a, it's, it's a, fascinating, it's a fascinating watch from, from my uh, rocking chair, which, uh, which I, I, I really don't have one, but it, you know, that's, the, that's, the, that's the, old, the old thought of what we do when we get old is just go and rock. <laughs> but it's it's um, you know I, I there are some things that are very different that I'm I'm really excited about that have happened um, and COVID was a blessing in the terms of a shot in the arm for consumers uh, in terms of for access um, you know we always had drug our feet M many of our many of our folks in our industry did with video visits for example it took a long time to get video visits to ramp up. Well, I mean, we, we ramped up video visits in, in, in a heck of a hurry, and uh, and now it's 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 the standard, yeah. And I, I I like all things that help solve me as a consumer. I like all things that solve my problems for me, and so improved access certainly is is one of those things. I I I love the fact that I can go to a waiting room, and they used to, and it has been limited. So it's not a, a, a very busy waiting room. I think people are much more respectful about appointments. Um, we are masked. Well, I don't know about Bellin, but uh, we in my household are, are mask-free, and we went out over the weekend and retail establishments, so we don't have masks anymore. That's great to see. Uh, I, I think it's also going to be very interesting to see, and, and I wonder what the effect will be on management styles uh, for everybody and, and relationships. Bellin is a very relationship oriented organization and it's, it's like a family in many ways and um while we've been in touch to some degree it, it hasn't been the same and 
rebuilding that culture, that cultural component, I think it's going to be fun to watch, but a, a, a bit of a challenge. I think there's some areas of the hospital, IT, for example, they may they may stay at home or, or work um, mostly remotely. Uh, but, uh, you know, but but that'll be that'll pose some different different challenges for folks. And, th and then there are some things that never change, Ryan. And I, I, I want to share one thing with you. Um, on, on April 25th, I picked up uh, our, our local newspaper and I, I have it right here. I don't know if you can see. Yeah. Changing oh, yeah. perceptions. And this is a very interesting story uh, about an organization in Green Bay. And uh, you, you wonder how much we really learn as we move along over the years. Uh, and, and this is a, this is a, a great thing. It's, it's, a, it's a story about Aurora Baycare is putting together a new orthopedic and sports medicine clinic. And they're talking about, it was the, the intro story. And I just want to read you something I, I shouldn't read, but I'm, but I'm going to because you're going to think this is really interesting. Once completed in fall of 2022, 2022 a new inpatient rehab facility run by Ernest Health, Ernst Health and Vibra Health, Aurora Baker's Orthopedic Outpatient Rehabilitation and CrossFit Green Bay will all be in this wonderful building, building together, uh, but they're going to be independent organizations because they're all going to just simply lease space from, uh, I'm guessing, a real estate holding company. And I'm thinking, okay, now we're talking about creating a destination, but can you imagine you're going to have to give your birth date three different times because you're going to three different, three different organizations to get services? How does that make sense? But here's the best part. The new building will also have several outdoor patios, a coffee shop, and other amenities that so-and-so, an orthopedic practice administrator, said make this an unusual medical care building. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not surprised. I would be surprised if their consumer research in Green Bay, Wisconsin, revealed that patios were important in anybody's visit when it's only warm three months out of the year. Well, we understand that in Nebraska, that patio usage is very seasonal. And I love what you said, because I don't I don't think they probably used NRC Health Market Insights on that one, did they, Brian? I don't think they used any consumer research there. They need market insights. <laughs> well, it's it, and, and I love that. It's so interesting to think about, you know, that this perspective of consumers want all these things to work together. And there you have at least three different brands coming together in the same building. And no matter which door you walk through, you have to tell them everything about you every time. You probably have yeah. different experiences each time. It's like that's a little microcosm, that building of, of some of the issues that healthcare has right now and that the consumer has when they try to access it. But you can go blow off yeah. some steam on the patio over <laughs> right. a couple of Joe. <laughs> a cup of Joe there. Yeah, it just, and so when I say things, and to tie this back to what my original comment, it's, it's, some things have changed, but some things clearly haven't. Uh, clearly, I mean, I'm sure this was in the works for for more than a couple of years. So you know, COVID hit them too, and I I I don't quite understand the thinking, but you know, I'm sure they'll be very very successful. But it just you know, this is the kind of old thinking uh, it seems to me, and I so I I hope our industry can really apply the learnings that um, everybody was able to to actually live and observe during during what we've just been through with the pandemic. I'm not sure this is one of them. I, I'm, I'm curious about that, Tom. You bring up a good point. So there is there's a bunch of new exciting ideas that are coming out. You mentioned digital visits sort of being accelerated from really from, from zero to zero to a hundred, right? Almost yeah. overnight because we had to, because so many operators had to do that. But there's been a lot of other cool uh, developments, some technologies coming together, efficiencies being realized, all that kind of stuff. Right? And so now I, nobody's feeling sorry for you. You're retired by the side of the lake. So I, that's that's going to be that's going to be enjoyable for you. But as as somebody who's been hands in and hands on for so long, um, you know, what what is exciting to you as you look in from the outside? I mean, what do you kind of wish you could still be a part of and see through as as you see these new, exciting, I would say, more consumer and human centric developments take place? Honestly, Brian, I'm I'm really happy being retired. <laughs> no, no, seriously, the, I I I think there is um, 
I think there's an opportunity, there's going to be a requirement actually that it would be fun to be part of. And that is to constantly remind people about what we do and why we do it. Now, arguably that was in our, in, in, right in front of us every day when, when we were doing COVID. But I will tell you that it seemed to me that the issues that we had around COVID, that we, we, we got a lot of passes from our consumers because it was, they understood we didn't know what was really, we were really facing. And, and that was, you know, that was okay. But there were also a lot of, a lot of drop balls that we missed opportunities for, to really build relationships and keep people informed about, you know, why we were doing these things and why did we have restricted visiting hours on Friday and then open them back up again on Monday or whatever the case may be. The opportunity for creating a communications platform, I think, with, with, with our customers is incredibly exciting. And yeah, we, you know, you, you, we have my chart and you, have, you can send everybody an email, but you know, not everybody likes getting emails and there's lots of different ways to do it, to, to communicate with folks. I, I, I think the opportunity to build inter- to build personal relationships is, is, is something that we ought to really jump on now um, because, you know, we told people not to come for a while and we told them we were the experts. And then we said, well, 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 maybe uh, things aren't working. We gave a lot of mixed messages during this period of time. Uh, and I, I think there's a, a, a tremendous opportunity to, to, to re, rebuild that. And I think it needs to be done. Well, it's so interesting to hear you talk about that, Tom, because I think there, there's been a sort of separation and, and two classifications of organization based on that telemedicine boom that, that you talked about, Brian. And, you know, you've got organizations that as that happened, you know, it was the only channel in when you talk about access, there was no physical care experience. And you alluded to that, Tom, because the last three months that you were there before retirement were COVID as it, as it hit that first wave. And it's yeah. interesting to think about the organizations, as you describe it, that are now thinking about how to put those things together where it's virtual and it's physical and there's a mix of the two latitudinally so that it's this sort of hybrid patient experience, which could be much improved. And it's like you said, what consumers want for a long time. There's also other organizations that can't wait to claw back those physical experiences and tone down, you know, to pre-COVID levels, those telehealth journeys. I'm excited that I'm talking to the former, not the latter. I do want to uh, sort of imbue something you said. You talked about how, you know, consumers went and had these experiences. Our Market Insight survey showed that consumers had generally low expectations about telemedicine, especially those who would never have normally had right. a telemedicine visit. They just said, you know what, this is my only option. It's probably not going to work. Something's going to go with the technology or it won't be like being there in person. And then we saw in our number, 74% were highly satisfied. 74% were highly satisfied with their visits, uh, partially because their expectations were low. Mm-hmm. We talk about that in the patient no longer book, the higher expectations yeah. there are. It's, it's a high bar to hit, but the expectations were lower. But talk to me a little bit more, Tom, about the lessons this industry could learn, not just Bellin, because now you can sit back from your from your proverbial rocking chair. You can sit back and make commentary on the entire industry if you like. Tell me a little bit more. Our marketing folks who were banging that drum for years and it was falling mostly on deaf ears. You know what that was like. How do they yeah. channel this so that their organization is that first organization that is going to use this to catapult a new strategy and fight against those organizations that say, no, no, let's go back to the way things were. That's how we're paid, so on and so forth. Do you have any inspiration you could give your, your fellow marketing cohorts in healthcare to, to try to propel things forward in the best way? Well, it's, it's, for me, it's, it hinges on understanding and, and, and knowledge that we can gain about the, the experience. And it, that's nothing new. That's, that's not breakthrough thinking. But what we, what we, the opportunity that we have is to say, look, these people don't, at least in our community, these people don't, don't have to come back to Bellin. If they had a better experience somewhere else, you know, maybe, maybe they could go there, you know, who, who knows? I, but I, I, here's what I think is from the, from the bottom line. The bottom line is we have to gain more knowledge about our patients and know more about our patients than we ever have before. And we, we, we don't, my mother-in-law who's 94, bless her heart, 
says she's only go to Bellum because they know everything about me. Everything I was born there. They know how many hair, how many hairs I have on my head and everything. So <laughs> I'm just going there because they're going to take care of me. And they know me better than anybody else. But when you really think about it, what do they know about her? They know, they know, they know very little. When you think about, they know her as a an entire person. They they know her only when she is has an, an episode. Um, well, I think it's going to be really, really fun to figure out a way to get to know people, to increase the number of contacts that you have with people that are not necessarily clinically related, that are not necessarily uh, episodic related, but, um, you know, checking in with people, uh, having different kinds of conversations with people, having different forums available for them. You know, I, there's this, this whole thing about um, the COVID hangover and people having perhaps long-term effects, holy cow, there's a there's a there's an opportunity to jump on folks and keep them in a longitudinal relationship for a long time to talk about, you know, how life is going. And the mental health area, we keep hearing about the, the effect on kids and schools and all that stuff. I mean, this is if we flip back into uh, we're going to be here when you come to us, you know, we'll take care of what you tell us. I, I think that's a huge missed opportunity because um, we need to be for the if we be with our patients along the journey, truly along the journey, which isn't just that when they come into the come into the office or they have a sore throat anymore. It's let's talk more about um, coping with life, because I think I think. COVID is one sector, but look at the massive cultural changes that are going on in our country. And, and people are going to need help with that. They're just going to need help adjusting to all of that and understanding. I mean, I don't know how the border states uh, along the Mexican border, I, I don't know how those healthcare systems are, and those communities are going to really rebound and accommodate COVID and immigration and, you know, all, all that stuff that's going on. And it so it's the, for me, the opportunity is to really build on the relationship beyond just the episodic visit. Yeah. Tom, you've mentioned relationship building a couple of times. And I think, you know, for any brand in, in inside healthcare, outside healthcare, it's aspirational. It's sort of the, it's nirvana to, to build this mm -hmm. positive long term relationship with an individual. You You could call that. You could call that loyalty, right? A positive long-term relationship where they're sort of exclusive to you. But but there's all types of relationships, right? Sure. There's unhealthy ones and healthy ones. And and you know, so yeah. Ryan, you you've done so much work with the market insights tool that we've also mentioned um in in in, in terms of like engineering that study, trying to get at relationships. We even have a handful sure. of of uh, metrics where we're asking about your relationship with the healthcare brand. I mean, talk, right. talk to me about that. Like how, what, what is the best way? How can we get at assessing a uh, consumer's relationship with the brand? And then how do we know if that's a healthy one? Right. And, and how do we, how do we make it one? Well, and it's interesting because, you know, we, we really, uh, we as an organization and Tom knows this cause we go way back. He was our very first client event for market insights. It wasn't even the market insights name. So he's an original day one guy. And the reason that we started talking about relationships then is it was just coming up from consumers in our survey. We had had a question where we said, okay, you know, you've just gone through a focus group or a long questionnaire or, or one of the research tools we use. And at the end of the instrument, we added a question just by happenstance at the end saying, if this could be different in the future, what's the missing ingredient that you want added so that your next healthcare journey will be far better than the one you just described? And people were starting to coalesce around this word relationship. I feel alone. I don't feel like I have guidance. I don't feel like I have anyone, no shoulder to lean on. And that exacerbates all the negative issues I have throughout that journey Tom talks about. And so we started talking about relationship. You were there the first time I flashed that on the screen. And, you know, the comment we made was, I don't, I don't hear that in boardrooms. I don't know if anyone here has that as part of their values or their strategic aim is this idea of relationship. And Tom, I want to turn that over to you because I feel like you're already building on this. You know, you talked about, it's not just about knowing the ailments that someone has or even a full EMR. It's great to have that information. It's great clinically. It doesn't get to the heart of who a person is. So obviously you had a responsibility for a very long time to market Bell and Health and its brand to consumers. That's not easy to do because it's a healthcare brand. Can you talk a little bit more about in the marketing sense, how you try to humanize that connection between Bell and Health 
and real everyday people who wanted a relationship with Bell and Health. Yeah, I a couple of things. Um, well, first of all, we 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 did have patients involved in on, on many of our teams as we were looking at new service offerings and and that sort of thing. So we tried to get that customer voice as as much as we could, um, and, and that was pretty successful. Uh, but oftentimes, you know, there's, there's there's some shortcomings with that because they don't know all the ins and outs and they can't know all the HIPAA stuff and it goes behind some of our making our decisions, but they can tell us about what makes good common sense when we were thinking about doing some things. And, and so we, we incorporated um, consu- the, the consumer voice the, as best we could um, w- with that. Um, the other thing that I think that is is so challenging is is bringing our physicians into into the conversation because they're part of the product offering, and we we use the product that you folks have that, that to help give people feedback. Um, uh, people can provide feedback to their providers uh, about, about you know how they're coming across, and you know that was a that was a really important uh, exercise for the organization to go through, and it wasn't done easily. Um, because we had, you know, physicians got negative feedback because they had one negative review and they, of course, came into the office and said, hey, you know, we we want this taken down. That wasn't the way that was, all that stuff. And so we worked our way through all that, like most organizations do. But that was getting the physicians on board was was another thing that was really important. And understanding the patient journey is the is the other thing that we we tried to do. And you folks have some some you and some other folks we worked with had some very important visuals about the consumer decision making model and consumer buying decision. And once we began to sensitize that into the organization, people began to get a get a little bit more, and I would say uh, became a little bit more aware of that. Every every step along the journey is is really important, and um, we 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 have, we have ways to go. All organizations do, but I think that's what we really did to do to 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 create the relationship. I had to I had to make some unpopular decisions. You know, like when we ask for for ideas from from our staff. You know, people say, "I know what we can do. We can send we can send birthday cards to people." You know, I. I don't know about you, but if I get a birthday card that is computer generated with a computer label and it has uh, the CEO's name printed on it, um, that just doesn't real feel real personal to me. And and so we, we, we went through all that kind of stuff. We even talked about we using a, a everybody wants to talk about patient engagement and but but nobody I mean, think about getting engaged. To a to to your spouse or to a loved one uh, that well you want to be your spouse or you want to have as a partner, think of that process and and we talked about that. It was you don't it, you don't just say hey I want to have a no I want to be engaged with you. It, it's there's a reason that engagements take a period of time and you have discussions, you have arguments, you have this trial period, all this stuff and that's if you if you look at that and. Only at a certain point are you ready to give them the ring, <laughs> and only is that person ready to accept the ring after a lot of stuff has happened in between. And so you don't just create a relationship by by one nice encounter, uh, and that's that's a that's a really interesting challenge because we have so many. I don't know. We one of your things that I spoke at. I I, I we counted the number of different people a person encountered in a three day stay at the hospital, coming in through the ED, having services, and then being discharged. It was in the thousands. Uh, and it was like, holy cow, we have to try to manage all these interactions. And of course, of course, you know, that's, if you worry about trying to manage them all at once, it's never, you know, you'll never get it done. So you got to pick and choose the important ones. Well, and I love how you describe that. And, and first of all, can we go back to the, the, the printed CEO card? No one has ever teared up opening the printed CEO card and put it up on the mantle next to the, the birthday cards from their grandkids. So I love that. That is such a great example. But what you're talking about, specifically the physician ratings and reviews, I want to flip this over to you, Brian, but I, I love the way that you're yeah. talking about 
there's a process here. It's like you're describing a relationship in real life. You know, people can have a relationship with other people. They can have a relationship with a brand. And it's not just about that courtship, that proposal, and now they're wearing the ring and you're getting married. And that's a great day. But a wedding is not a marriage, right? It's a long-term right. scenario. And ratings and reviews, just one piece of that, you know, that continuous commitment to feedback, which is not always going to be positive. So Brian, you know, you've studied transparency, you've studied loyalty. When you hear Tom talk about that from his perspective, what, what does that mean to you in your national view of it? Well, I, first, I'd like to say that in my engagement process, I use the Ritz-Carlton model. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. It, it, it worked tremendously. You're all, Ryan, you're always a man of great taste. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> I mean, as evidenced by our guest. Right. Yes. 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 So, no, I, it, it's... Um, all jokes aside, I, transparency is something that, that sort of burst on the scene half a dozen years ago, right, mm -hmm. in healthcare. And, and actually, NRC Health was one of the pioneers to the space. But the, the, goal, was, the goal was really is a twofold one. Um, is how could we better engage providers by giving them feedback in a way that not only consumers consume uh, patient feedback, like right. by ratings and reviews. You know, it's how anybody reviews a product or reviews an experience. And, and so giving that back to providers in such a way where they can see a score, sure, they can see their star ratings, it makes right. sense, but then also read the comments, right, right where they actually see the themes emerge and, and they're getting rapid, rapid cycle feedback. What that did, if you, if you put those things online, it does, it does more now. So mm -hmm. now you've got a program that increases your visibility online. It creates trust in the community, something that a really positive attribute that you want to build, you know, in the recipe of building that relationship because it's verified patient feedback. It's about these providers. But when you, you know, I think we've talked about this, joked about it before, that if you, you want to improve something, you measure it. If you want to improve something very rapidly, you measure it publicly. Right. And so by having, by having physician performance or patient experience uh, data online in the form of an Amazon-style review, now you had a, a public measuring stick. And it was something that really, really uh, was attractive to providers because now they could sort of compete online and and, uh, and and see themselves sort of rank up and climb up in right. search and be found. But what was being found was an actual representation of the care they provided. Right. So it was transparent and it may be just a touch uncomfortable depending on the culture of an organization at start. But then it became a really sort of good tasting spoonful of transparency because uh, unlike most things that are being said on or about you online, uh, this was verified and true by people who actually saw you, right? right. So, um, you know, not every organization, I, I'm, you know, I'm curious about this and, and we didn't, we didn't prep this question, Tom, so I'm going to spring it on you, but not every organization has the same, um, spirit of transparency, you know, sharing, mm -hmm. sharing patient experience data publicly. Mm -hmm. What was that like? What was that like at Bellin when you decided that you're going to do that? You're not only going to make sure that every patient has a voice, but then you're going to turn it around and make it transparent online so that other people might be able to read about that experience. And, you know, what are those conversations, how they look internally? How do they look with your provider group? Well, initially, I mean, there was, uh, I, I would say there, it was probably split 50, 50 there, or, or, or maybe, maybe 30, 30 and 30. There were those who were really in favor of it and said, Hey, I, I have nothing to hide. I'm great. I, I've got, I got a great relationship with my patients, you know, bring it on. There were those who I, um, well, I'll, I'll wait and see, but I'd, I'd like to reserve judgment and try to, uh, you know, if, if they're bad about me, I, you know, I don't want them on there that all of a sudden, well, you know, you explain, you can't turn it on and turn it off. Once it's on, it's on. And then there, then there were those who said, you know, it's just really patently unfair because um, I don't have an opportunity to refute and all that stuff. And so we, we with your help, we addressed, we developed strategies to, to address all the, all those kinds of concerns and made sure there were safeguards as, as the best we could. Um, but you know, it really did heighten the awareness about the interaction that occurs in an office, and uh, it, it, it was. The first six months, I would say, were probably a little bit of a challenge. But after that, it just seemed to settle down. And people started saying, oh, okay, well, gosh, maybe not. I guess I'm doing okay. Or, or I'd like some help in this area. You know, what am I, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? Or, or I, I guess I am running behind all the time. You know, what, what can you do to help me? So it, it really became uh, a, a force for positive change eventually. And it, it, that's a good thing. I, I think that's a really wonderful thing. Plus we had, and, and here's probably the most important thing. We had senior leadership, our CEO at the time, 
was was really on board and said, you know, we need to do this. We absolutely need to do this. We owe this to our customers and our community. And you know that that took away any end runs to the CEO's office, uh, and that really helped a lot. Well, the CEO's office is something you know well, Tom. Arguably better than any person in marketing now because you sat in the CEO's office. So we've got to dig on this piece of your of your incredible backstory. Sure. So at one point in time, you were chief executive officer of not one, but two hospitals. And then you departed mm-hmm. healthcare for a bit, at least in the formal, you know, organizational sense. And you came back as the chief market development officer for who was your former COO, then CEO. Tell us just a little bit about you know, what led you along that origin story, that journey, and how that changed your ability to view healthcare today versus someone who's never sat in that chair of a chief executive officer before? Yeah, it was, that was a very interesting, uh, interesting experience. Uh, I, I did come back and report to the fellow who was reporting to me as chief operating officer, and we had had uh, a, a really good working relationship. Plus, I, I, when I left, I left with a strong relationship with the board of trustees, the board of directors, and many of them were still there or had or family members were there that I had known. So it was not like I was coming in um, uh, any, any kind of uh, it, it difficulties from a relationship standpoint in the past. I, and I had before I had left, I had introduced the. Uh, with 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 the board's uh, blessing and encouragement, a whole we participated in the total quality movement, um, and and he and I, the, the the CEO and I, had done that together, and uh, we're founding members with along with Don Berwick with the Quality Management Network uh, way back in when we were meeting in in Boston many many years ago. So we had we had this common commitment to doing what was right. And we had the commitment from our board about the direction they wanted to go, which was really putting customers first uh, and, and, and the customer, customers first, the customer experience first. Um, and, but this wasn't really started on my watch or even his watch. The CEO that I replaced uh, had, had the foresight to take his management team um, back in the seventies down to uh, meet with a guy by the name of Mike Vance, who was a vision, a, a visionary guy for um, Walt Disney world in, in Florida. And he took his team down there and they talked about the Disney experience. And this is well before that book was written uh, about healthcare and could learn lessons from Disney. But so, so our, there was this in, Inbred in this culture was this whole notion about getting better and in special ways that you need to treat the, the customer. So, so, so when I came back as chief marketing officer, it was it was um, just simply building on that and l- taking a little different ta- uh, slant on it. Uh, we, you, we, you know, you, you, we were talking about the personalization and, and how we, we built the brand. One of the things that was really key to all of that and key to our, our, our success from a branding standpoint was that how do you capture uh, the essence of, uh, of, the re- of relationships and what it means to us? And we, we've, we found an agency that we work with who really understood what people really wanted and didn't. I mean, it wasn't based on, we weren't that sophisticated uh, to have the, 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 the research behind us. We did eventually support with research as, as we create our relationship with you guys. But um, what we did is we spoke in, 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 in um, very direct, very emotionally, um, emotionally connecting ways with, with patients. Our ads never really talked about, we care for you. We always try to speak in our ads about the experience you were having. In other words, um, we when we started marketing or promoting our, our cancer team, we talked about the things that were important to a patient who was just getting the, the diagnosis of cancer. It wasn't that we've got the best specialist. It was, we know what it's like when you get that cancer diagnosis. It's scary as heck. And not only that, you don't even hear much after you hear that first word. We know that. We'll be there for the, for the next visit too. And, you know, it was, it was that kind of thing. And, and that had, 
you know, we the, our industry had gone down this path of arguing uh, from system to system. Who cares more about you? You know, we 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 care. You know, we no we no 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 we care. No 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 we we got a we got a a, a laser knife and and that's that's because we're better and that makes us. You should believe that we care more about you because we have the latest technology. Well, you know, we, we kind of swept all that away. We, we we were the first in in I think probably in Wisconsin to give women um, mammography results before they left their their mammography appointment because women said the worst thing in that experience was waiting to get the results from a from a mammogram. And you, know, you have your mammogram on Friday, you don't hear till Monday or maybe even Tuesday. And that's if you got your if you have your family has a history of breast cancer, that's that's horrible. That weekend feels that's like a month, cool. right? I mean, it puts people yeah. through yeah. such an incredible, uh, you know, just just trial and tribulation that you guys were able to cut through. And I, I love what you're yeah. saying, too, because it's earlier you'd reference using everyday terms, um, you know, talking about from you, that cancer example you just shared was talking about it from the patient's perspective and and really being able to sort of walk through their shoes, not just as a care delivery, but as an entire brand. Now, yeah. Brian and I are big fans of the Bell and Health brand. We know more than most. So we're going to educate some viewers and listeners because I think there's a couple things that you guys did in Wisconsin that people anywhere can use. The first and foremost is you, you had a relationship, let's say, with a local sports team uh, that, that people may or may not have heard of. But you turn that relationship into a true brand on brand lockup. I mean, it was it was putting the two brands together for the benefit of consumers. And talk to us a, lo- a little bit about that little football club and what Bell and Health did to work with them in a more pronounced way that consumers would uh, be hard to miss. Yeah. So we had this idea. First of all, the similarities between Bellin and the Green Bay Packers were, were almost eerie. We were founded within a year of, of each other uh, or two um, as, as organizations, and uh, we're both over 100 years old. Uh, we have our, an important principle for us is local governance, and the Packers, of course, have that relationship with the local ownership of, of shareholders and board members who are many, many are local. That's, that's expanded a bit now, which is a good thing. Um, and so, so we had some community ties uh, that, and, and similarities. You know, the other two systems in Green Bay were managed and uh, continue to be managed by entities outside of Green Bay. So we 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 came to the Packers one day and we said, you know, um, you know, we'd we'd like to. We actually had a relationship with um, all three systems, or, or maybe it was just Bellin and 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 the the sisters for for a while, where they actually shared the the sponsorship. Of, of the Packers. And then for whatever reason, um, and this predates me, but the, the, the sisters decided they didn't want to do that anymore. And we said, well, we'll step up. We, we'd like to keep it going. But at that time, it was a very much a sponsorship. You know, you, you put up a billboard and we paid them sponsorship dollars and da, da, da. And we said, hey, you know, they're, they're, if this is going to endure, this has to take on a different look. And for us, it has to be about a, a commitment to each other and a, 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 a partnership that is, is just transcends a traditional, we give you advertising dollars, sponsorship thing. So with when Mark Murphy became CEO, we sat down and we talked to him about what this might look like. Uh, something other than um, uh, other than just just a, 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 the, like I said, the traditional sponsorship. We said we want to use you and help you um, leverage our mission of making our community healthier. And you know that's in your best interest. And uh, the the Packers had passed a, a, a tax uh, uh, surcharge for it to build a new stadium, and it only passed by fifty one percent. And so they were ripe to say, hey, you know, we got to make sure that, you know, there was an interest in trying to make sure that that they had the the community's ear and interest at the same time. And they were looking for all kinds of uh, ways to try to broaden their relationship with the community. And what better way to do it than than partner with a healthcare organization that had a really strong name. And, and, And so then we started saying and the brainstorming began about, okay, well, what can we do? 
Um, could we have player appearances? Yeah, player appearances work well. Could we, how do we strengthen the relationship? We, we created uh, uh, the Bell and Titletown and uh, it, it was a meant to be kind of like a fitness kind of deal. Uh, that sort of worked. It didn't really get off the ground all that well. We worked and t- took over the, the Packers had a, a 5K run and we have a big 10K run. So we took that and provided the medical care for that. We took that over, partnered with them and, and did that. Uh, we put patches on their jerseys that they, that they wear uh, during the NFL, we were the first to do that in the NFL for a healthcare system. They'll allow, you know, every time that during training camp, they take a picture, the press takes a picture of a player, they have a Bell and Health patch on their on their jersey. They don't wear them on game day because that's they don't do that. But you know, that was that was very unique. So we we just made that connection over and over and over again. And then we started to say, okay, what about what about influence? Actually, now, how can we actually, we, we spend a lot of time in this, and it's, it's, I'm sure it's going on today. What can we do to impact the health of the community? Well, we we had the numbers and we showed them, if you could vaccinate half the population with flu shots, we could drive down employers' costs because of absenteeism and school perform, all that kind of stuff. So we started having flu clinics. And we took player. We, we would take players out into the area communities. And normally if we have a few clinic flu clinic, we'd get probably the people who could be off during the day, which are retired folks. And we'd probably do 15 or 20 flu clinic. Well, you put a packer there who's going to sign autographs while you're getting flu, cl- flu shots and you would have 200. And you say, so it's like, okay, you know, this is beginning to work here. We, we, we really can leverage this. And then, of course, then it just grew from there. We looked at all our service lines and, and we became very oriented with the service lines and said, okay, uh, cardiac, what do we do? Well, we, we did, a, we did, uh, we honored EMS providers at, um, and, and t- had a cardiac theme at, at halftime. And we, we did uh, 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 breast cancer awareness and, you know, pink and all that stuff for, for cancer awareness. And then from an orthopedic standpoint, when they built the new Titletown district, it was a slam dunk to put a, to put a, 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 a really top notch, uh, orthopedic services uh, line and, and there. And, and so now we have the uh, Titletown Orthopedics and, you know, uh, we actually take care of Kansas City chief players too, who come there <laughs> and, and other kinds of players who, who need all kinds <laughs> of services. We've got one of the renowned foot doctors, for goodness sake. Uh, so it just, you know, it was one of those things that was, it was, it was presented and made some sense. We didn't know exactly what we we're going to do when we started, but the core, the core belief that together we could do something um, better for our community. Um, we, 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 the, if, if we could do it together, we could. We had much more leverage, and it, it seems to have worked very, very well. Um, now, now we're the exclusive partner, and of course, a lot of other people would like to be like to join, but we're we're, we're kind of hanging on to that exclusivity right now. Yeah, it, and if you've been to Green Bay, you you see it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. material. The relationship is. Uh, you, you can definitely see that that Bell and the Green Bay Packers are shoulder to shoulder. Yes. And doing all the things you're describing. It's not just, you know, the official drinking straw of, of NASCAR or Major League Baseball, right? Like that type of paper partnership. But I mean you can you can really see and feel in the community how both have come together to do everything yeah. that you're describing. So I think I think that yeah. that's great. I, and I also want to share a little story too. Um that Tom was nice enough, kind enough and gracious enough with his time to actually come to Lincoln, Nebraska. He was. Where, where the NRC Health headquarters is and and speak to our associates about all of these things that, that uh, we're conversing about today. Right. Like, how right. do you how do you have meaningful engagement? How do you build relationships? Uh, how is Bell and Health operationalizing those things? And, and in some ways, using some of the tools from NRC Health and in some ways, using other tools and some ways, things you built yourself. And part of that, when describing the relationship with the Packers, it, it, Tom actually wore a Super Bowl ring. Because mm-hmm. he he has at, at least one. How many do you have? You two. <laughs> two. Okay. Well, he brought one, <laughs> and actually uh, passed it around in, in the auditorium for for our associates, and they thought that was great. There's a lot of a lot of diehard Packer fans here, and my son being one of them. And I actually was gone that day. I was in a different part of the country uh, speaking to another group, and and I. I got back and I heard that and I'm like, no way. I mean, that was, that was my chance to have my son come down, try on a real Packers ring and, and, you know, see the real thing. And so I, I was joking with Tom about it later and said, 
uh, you know, my son just doesn't, he doesn't care that much where I'm at. He, he doesn't ask me a lot about work, but he, <laughs> he sure took an interest in that piece. And, and you said, well, probably, probably half joking, but knowing you're probably half serious too, that, that you just mail it to me and that he could, he could try it on, take some pictures with it. And I said promptly, no freaking way. <laughs> like, please do not mail that ring That's to me. Tom. I, do, I don't That's want any Tom. responsibility for it, let alone my teenager. But uh, I do I do appreciate the very gracious offer there. That, that Super Some Bowl ring, time. that was the best uh, icebreaker I've ever seen in a business meeting, by the way. How do I get everyone's attention? I'll hand around a Super Bowl ring. I don't think there was a single person with their phone out in that auditorium. Yeah. Brian, Brian would your son still like, is he still a Packer fan? Uh, absolutely. Do not mail it to me, Tom. <laughs> I, you know, my, my offer is absolutely sincere because I, I think I shared it with you and I will share it with you today. I do that a lot. I, I People, you know, and, and you know what? It always comes back. That's that's so, trust well, right there. That, that, that is really trust. Is. That's a test of it. You, Tom, you don't know well, what I know. We'll I, I see him we'll all. I see him day right. in and day out. <laughs> yeah. let's talk. So, so what's so cool about this is the brand coming to life, right? Because we've all seen that in a a couple of the examples you shared, Tom, how many times is, and it doesn't even have to be a a NFL team. It could be any sports team where the local health system or hospital happens to provide the ambulatory services. So you might see Mm -hmm. that logo on the ambulance or the official drinking straw, right? Or the, the 5k is the local, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska or Green Bay, Wisconsin, 5k. It's paid for in full by the hospital, and the hospital logo is about 5% of that flyer down at the bottom. And you completely flipped that to where people are seeing, experiencing, you know, having the joy of the Packers and what that brand means to you. And Bellin is integral to that. Yep. So, so they're imbuing all those positive associations with the Packers onto Bell and Health, which is incredible because health systems do not get that advantage to start. They rarely achieve it. And you used it. Now, you did something else to humanize your brand over time. You also used a spokesperson, which we, we don't always see very often, right? With sometimes, you know, it's just the nameless, faceless, you know, blue or green logo and that's it. But you used a person to actually bring this to life. And that was a an actor, a real actor. And you'll, you'll, you might know the name, Patrick Fabian, who, if you're a Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul fan, you might know him as the impeccable Howard Hamlin, you know, the perfect put-together lawyer who's a bit of an adversary uh, to Jimmy on the show. Now, before all of that, Patrick was a spokesperson for Bell & Health and still has been throughout the years. Tell me a little bit about that angle of humanizing the Bell & Health brand and and how that worked as it went. Sure. Uh, and uh, I, I take no credit for for selecting Patrick. That was done before I before I came back. Um, but uh, as I understand it, there were a, a number of people that were identified and, and interviewed during the process, and and Patrick happened happened to be the one that was, was chosen. He he was chosen obviously because of his presence on screen. Um, he's very good looking, very very uh, very fit. Um, and a, a, a man that appealed to uh, really a, a, a very wide audience, uh, interestingly enough. Uh, and he he has a way of connecting that that just uh, it just hits home. And he has a very distinctive voice. Uh, the agency we're, we're, we worked with also identified uh, a um, a tagline that became associated with Patrick's voice. They did a, a marvelous job. Every every single ad or promotion piece starts or ends with the, with the words, welcome to Bell and Health. And it was just really that simple, welcome to Bell and Health. It's funny, I would go out when Patrick would come and we'd do shoots here or whatever, we'd go out to dinner and people would recognize him and first they would first look over at him and they go, Oh, is, is that the guy? And yeah, that's the guy. So finally they would soon, sooner or later, they would get up the courage to come over and, and say hi or say something to him. And it, it's, it's human nature. And it's just, it's just absolutely hysterical. They would always say to him and welcome to Bell and hell. And so <laughs> and it, as though they were the first person that said it, you know, that those first <laughs> Yeah, but you know that's just the way it is. Every that's how they connected with him. Well, but anyway, the Patrick Patrick could speak to um, 
he could he could he could render those very emotional messages that that were crafted by the agency and he i mean he could talk about the 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 fear of waiting for your mammography results and what that's like for a woman and and women really they really related to that said yeah this guy gets it uh, and so it was it was a combination of, of Patrick's fantastic talent and then the words that were spoken. They were they were purposely e- emotionally charged words that were were picked. And you know, one of them I remember very dis- distinctly is it was we were getting uh, ready to do one for Nurses Week or whatever, uh, and and the, the 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 copy went something like. Um, uh, Everybody has nurses, but Bell has the nurses. And oh my goodness, that 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 really that really angered many of our competitors and and nurses in other in other organizations because we were saying essentially we didn't we didn't say they just said we have the nurses and it was it was the it's that subtlety and he was able to do that in a very subtle but. Um, connecting way and it was it was it was a fun ride he's a he's a, he's a it was a great way for us to extend the brand and to to formulate a relationship with with an audio cue as well as a visual yeah it's interesting because i think you know we as one of the things we've done for years we test advertising right hospitals we we always at our behest say please before you roll that out to the market and put all that money behind the media buy because you know tom marketing budgets are not it's never enough right and so you've got to use those dollars as best you can and make them stretch and you know we had so many ads come through brian where it's you know the the, the voiceover that is just this person that you can't tell where they're from who they are you know it's the most vanilla voice the most vanilla imagery, you know, every every ad, we would have trouble. We'd have consumers sit and watch it. And right after it was done, we'd say, who was that ad from? And they could not pick it out of a lineup of local hospitals. And they had just watched it as a captive audience. And so the fact that you humanized it and brought someone on the screen that connected with someone and, and happened, as we saw from his future career, to have incredible talent to personalize the Bell & Health brand, I, I think is so powerful. And Brian, we talk about that all the time in terms of marketing and your background in marketing, that we've got to come up with new innovative ways to connect with consumers on a marketing level. And, and I think that challenge just post-COVID, it's going to be interesting to see what the next thing is. I mean, I want to ask Tom, but I want to ask you, like, where where are we going now that we're emerging in trying to connect with people in a way that is different from the competition? Well, I, to be you know completely transparent here, you shouldn't ask me because all I'm going to do is turn around and ask consumers, which <laughs> right. is the appropriate way to do this, I believe. <laughs> let me get right. So back let me get to back you. to you. <laughs> no, I, I mean the, the testing, testing creative is really important, but not just not just for large campaign launches. Anytime, and right. it, it, you know, Tom, you just said words matter, right? So yeah, you have somebody who can deliver a line, but you also have the line being delivered, and so any any health system, any provider, any brand shouldn't be flippant about what they are putting to market, right? If that's internal that's right. communication, that's incredibly important to make sure that you're uh, articulating vision and sharing why and all that all that sort of thing internally. Obviously, externally, you're trying to, you're, you're not only saying why you're different, you're, you are stating a promise, you're making a promise to the market that you are that thing, right? right? And so words, words are remarkably important. We would encourage anybody who is in charge of messaging internally or externally to be testing that and being paying very close attention to it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 it's fascinating that a couple of local ads that I've seen in here and, when, and, and some recent travel, it, it's sort of like we're going back to right now because of the COVID thing, I guess, maybe I mentioned this earlier, but it's sort of like we're back to we're reassuring people that we're still caring. You know, we're caring now. We're caring. It's, and I and I want to say, you mean you weren't during COVID? I mean, it, if, if you weren't if you weren't communicating a caring message during COVID, uh, wow, uh, the, that's a pretty big climb uh, uphill for because it's that was a time to really be able to hammer that home and demonstrate it. I, I love what comes through too with Tom because I, I think this is a little bit unique to you. Your ability to just cut through so much of the corporate, 
you know, my grandfather would have said malarkey, but you know, that just that corporate, you know, all those words that we use that to your point, Brian, don't matter anymore because we overuse them or, you know, we try to out care each other. We care the most, the mostest, the mostest. And, you know, you've done such a good job, Tom, of just taking on the consumer point of view, which in the chairs that you've sat in and they're big ones, your ability to just cut through that and say, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. Consumers are going to see through that in the first second. That is like Mm -hmm. an executive skill that if it's, if it's learned or if it's taught is incredibly powerful. So we could go on and on with our old friend today, but I want to ask you one more question. We've kind of given your arc, your very unique arc in healthcare, you know, from Mm. CEO to consultant, we didn't even get to that piece, but you built your own business as a consultant and then you came back as chief market development officer, that really, really cool reunion with Bell and Health. So take that to now, as you're in your proverbial rocking chair uh, and you're thinking, and someone comes up to you and says, Tom Arndt, I am in day one of healthcare. I don't have the background that you have, the history you have. This is my first day in healthcare. What's something that I should know if I want to be successful like you? I, I don't. Well, what, what you need to know is who you're serving. And I, 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 would, I would suggest if uh, on day one, if someone's just doesn't have a lot of experience or even if they've had a lot of experience, I, I, I would want someone to sit down and go into waiting rooms and simply have conversations. Uh, understand that for one person sitting in that waiting room, they're going to get some, re- they're, they're here because they're in for a checkup and it's kind of a routine visit. The person sitting next to them may be going to get some very devastating news. And yet another person may be getting some really great news. And that's the challenge. That's the challenge that our employees have of being understanding and knowing what emotion to meet somebody, what level of emotion and where they are in their journey on that day, uh, what do they need to do to adjust to the individual? Because that's the essence of personal care. And if you don't know who you're serving and you don't know what emotions they're having, um, you you don't really know what you're doing. Uh, you, you, you're shooting in the dark and you run the risk of, and this actually happened, you run the risk of saying to a lady, walking out the door who just got a diagnosis of breast cancer, someone in the reception saying, have a nice day. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's, 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 that's pathetic uh, in, in some ways. And you know, why, why can't the team who's taking care of that patient know that Mrs. Jones is not going to have a really good day today. I'm not going to give you a, you know, tell the receptionist. We, we have some unfortunate conversation we're going to have just so you know, you know, that that would be my ideal. I would like them. I, I would like to help those people on the front line know a little bit so they could be sensitive to what what, what everybody's doing. I, you know, I, I really I I really abhor the notion of a corporate an offsite corporate um, health care office. I know that that's the way it's going and you do that for all kinds of reasons. But every day I came to work and I. I looked at those people coming in for services and I, you know, it was like, yeah, gosh, I wonder. And, and I wondered how, how was, how was it, how was it going? And I, and I would go, I would make hospital rounds uh, occasionally when I was on call and I, and I'd pop into someone's room and I'd just say, Hey, you know, are we taking good care of you? Um, is there anything, in a, you know, anything that you need or anything we could be better at or whatever. And it was just, if, if you don't have that, uh, we have to develop that if we're going to really, really get better. So, you know, I, I would say get to know, who, get, get to know people, you know, just get to know people because they're, they're, they're coming with, a, with, with thoughts and feelings and backgrounds and you need to help them. I love that. There the, you go. I, I, that was, that was wonderful. You started with a question that I think everyone, whether it's day one or day 10,000 can use. I mean, you started with the question of who do you serve? Yeah. And I think sometimes, yeah. and, and you've worn a couple executive hats as we've talked about today, every executive could probably admit to the fact that they've gotten a little far away yeah. from that yeah. question. Right. 
And they might be able to yeah. answer it in a, you know, generic way, but in a sitting shoulder to shoulder with people way, I don't know. Yeah. And I think Tom, yeah. you've, you've dedicated your career to being right next to those you serve, being inseparable. And clearly you've built that at Bell and Health. So we want to thank you so much for talking about that journey uh, that now includes your retirement. We we got to talk about everything except Aaron Rodgers, I guess. We didn't ask you about that, but maybe that'll be for the next episode. Oh, I, I just want, just read the papers. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Tom's, you heard it here first. Read the papers and we'll keep, you know, we'll keep connecting with you on the side for updates on that. We'll leave that right. out of the podcast. But this, this has yeah, been a wonderful well, episode. It's been great to talk to you. someone that has the unique perspective that you have on healthcare. And I think we learn a lot by doing that. So I, I really appreciate you taking time with us today. Thanks so much, Tom. My pleasure. You guys keep up the good work. Thank you.